It's the Dogcast, episode number 410. Only 27 days until we put toe to leather in the Georgia Dome. It's fall camp 2016. Kirby Smart's first season as Georgia's head coach, and it is glorious so far. fans it's the dog cast episode number 410 old dog we are back in the bunker it is fall camp it is that magical time of year buddy we brush off the dust shake off the rust the bunker gets powered up and it is time for the world's number one the oldest the original the biggest and still the best the dog cast the georgia bulldog football podcast old dog How's it going? Man, it it is getting better and better by the day as we count them down. I can remember when we were over 100 days from kickoff, and now we're down in the 20s. 27. And again, and again our, you know, our, our friends in South Carolina still think playing on a Thursday night is, is some kind of great honor. Sweet. I know, right? You oh, know, my goodness. Hardly, hardly anything has changed except... Except Spurrier is back where he needs to be. He is back at Florida, and we can hate him for everything he is worth. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, and people ask me, how do you feel about Spurrier getting back? You know, honestly, he's nothing. He's like the Queen of England or something down there, you know. Unless he is affecting on-field play calling. Well, he's already, he's already uh Giving Luke Del Rio the starting job. <laughs> Listen, man, I'm not. I just don't think Spurrier is going to be able to affect us. I, I don't know. Do, I mean, I just don't think he's going to affect on the field. Oh no, I don't. I, if, if any effect that he has, I think, and I am really praying for this, is that he splits the coaching staff down there and just disrupts everything. <laughs> exactly. Because you know, you know, he's going to want to put in his little two cents worth. The way he is, and he's going to start taking jabs at the coach. Yeah, and McElwain's not from his coaching tree, you know, no. so to speak. So he has no love for McElwain, you know. So uh, no, I, Spurrier only has love for Steve Spurrier. That is the truth, brother. That's there ain't the no doubt about. It. And I guarantee you, if if it goes sideways for Florida, which I always hope it does, he is gonna, you know. And we give that little clip, you know, well, you know, the, the receivers can't catch and the quarterbacks can't throw. <laughs> Wasn't like that when I How was here. How great would that be? <laughs> oh, man, you know, it would be, it would be super. Oh, my gosh. I tell you what, I love it. I love having him back in Gainesville. They want to name the field after him. You know, it's going to be uh, Steve Spurrier Field or whatever at the at the swamp. You know, Who cares, yeah, right? At the swamp, you know, you know. Foley kind of in it, and whoever the other people are, Ben Hill Griffith, you know, who gave all the money to build a sure. stump. Who cares? Who cares? You know, exactly. I but you know, no, I just, I hope, I hope it becomes a soap opera down me, there. Yeah, me too. I hope it is all my children. <laughs> 
one life to live and general hospital all rolled into one and nothing but bad things happen. Oh, and oh. with the egos down there, it, it's got to. Yeah, I and think you might be right. Thing, and probably the best thing for South Carolina, quite frankly, is for Spurrier to have left. Yeah, and then go to Florida, right? I yeah. mean, that's good for South Carolina, you know. Um, so that's exciting, right? Um, hey, you know, out of um, before we get to Georgia news, all right, just a little housekeeping. I know you were excited that Coach Mark Richt kept up his tradition of the dive, right? I mean, I I know you were you were holding on with uh, with, you were just holding your breath, just bated breath to see if he was going to continue that tradition down there of the big high dive, and he Absolutely. did. Absolutely, and I understand. Not only did he do the triple lindy, but he did it in a one of the finished the drill T-shirts that he took with him. <laughs> exactly. So good for him. Uh, good for Miami. Uh, I'm sure he's building uh, what he he's getting things together down there for them. But the only game in town, the only news that counts, the only thing anybody cares about is Georgia Bulldog football and what Kirby Smart is doing, what these new assistants, these new coordinators are installing, how the players are coming back and developing. Old Dog, we are one week into camp. Everybody's excited. We, you know, the last time we did a show was coming off of 93K Day, which was so amazing, just an unbelievable thing. So we bookended the summer with 93K Day on the front end and this Past weekend we had picture day or no I mean I'm sorry not picture day fan pic no, fan no it wasn't it wasn't Just fan, fan picture day. day no yeah that's right there definitely was not any picture at all in fan day 2016 man you know a few fans were a little wrinkled about that old dog what did you think about the elimination of cameras entirely I'm, I'm all for changing stuff man because what we were doing wasn't working. Sure. And if, if diving off a high dive, if finishing the drill, if throwing down some mats and rolling around on those and diving off, you know, if all of that got us 10 wins and no championships, let's throw it in the garbage and let's start something new. Bam. And, you know, if not taking pictures is, is the way to go, then I'm all for it. Let's try it. Let's see what happens. Yeah, I agree, man. We have to change things up, right? So, you know, and it, 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 everything in Athens. And it is a total change, man. It is a total change. It is a total change. And I'll tell you, you can sum it up pretty, pretty succinctly by if, if you guys have not been to Athens, you've not felt the, the, the atmosphere around, you know, the Buttsmere building or the Tate Center or Sanford Stadium, I will tell you, and even in the girders in the new indoor practice facility. Yeah, it is decidedly more businesslike. Let me just say, I mean, it is just more serious. Wouldn't you agree, old dog? Everything the, is... The the kumbaya aura is gone. Yeah, yeah. It's all the touchy-feely, doing it for the fans, you know... All of that is, that is not really what we're doing nowadays. What we're doing nowadays is blocking and tackling and running and talking about how crappy our defense is. You know? And just play, playing real man football. Yeah, or we are. Or getting ready to. Absolutely, man. Did you see that? And, uh, and bringing in real men to play it. Yeah, bringing in some real, and bringing in some real men to coach it too, brother. Yep. Jim Chaney and Sam Pittman. I know you're a huge fan of Sam Pittman. I am actually also a huge fan of Sam Pittman, but I am also developing a little man crush on Jim Chaney. Uh, yeah, 
without a doubt. As well as Kirby Smart. I want to back up a little bit, back into the summer. Did you see Kirby Smart's quote? Uh, actually, the showbiz wife, she knew that we were not in the Mark Richt era when she heard this quote. You know, he was talking about, at SEC Media Days, talking about our defense. And he said, look, we just don't have anybody that's very – he was talking about the defensive backfield specifically. And the quote, if I remember correctly, he said, we just don't have anybody that's very good back there. <laughs> he yeah. said, our best player would be maybe a second teamer on an LSEC team. He said, that's just the facts. And that is decidedly less touchy-feely than we the kind of stuff we were getting, the kind of platitudes we were getting in the past. Well, and, and that was one of the things that used to drive us crazy, too, because how many shows have we done of talking ad nauseum, especially me, about just how sick and tired we were of hearing how everyone was so great, how everyone was so wonderful, and then no one performed? Sure. I mean, it was it's it is a breath of fresh air to finally have a coaching staff that really tells it like it is. Absolutely, and I'm hoping, because we talked about this last year, we talked about this even before Kirby Smart was hired, even before Mark Richt was let go, we talked about this, the whole idea behind, I, I remember specifically over the bowl games we talked about it after the national championship game with Alabama and Clemson, the difference between when one of our guys used to screw up on field or and make a mistake, which everybody does, right? I mean, it's it's when we're all Absolutely. human, dude. We're all foot. We, you know, we got football players. They're doing the best they can. Sometimes they make mistakes. However, the way you respond to that, you know, are you? They're running off the field. Are you clapping and patting them on the butt? Are you blowing their ass up, right? Are yeah. you are you instructing them strenuously in the game of football? And we talked about how we were tired of this clap and pat them on the butt and say, better luck next time, hope you get it figured out on the next one. You know, when we talk about punt returns, we talk about, you know, systemic chronic mistakes being made by our team in general, not any one player. But our team making these chronic mistakes, and the downside of the penalty for those mistakes is you get a few less claps and maybe one less pat on the butt and one less attaboy, you know? Right, and even more so, too, sometimes, and, you know, this was always a knock, the lack of focus that we tend to have in one or two games during the year. And I get the feeling, I don't know what, I don't know what our ending win-loss record's going to be, but i tell you what, we're not, I, I get a very strong feeling that we're not going to have any games where we don't come in ready to play and don't have our, and don't give 100%, and don't have our mind in it, and think all we have to do is show up and win. I agree. Everything about, I mean, like I said, guys, it, the whole feel in Athens, around the Woodger practice fields, everything going on right now is just decidedly more businesslike. And you can say, I know we have listeners. Hell, I have people in my household, old dog, that don't think that is a move for the positive, right? People that think that is, it's mercenary, it's too hardcore, it's too serious, whatever you want to call it. But you know what cures all that shit, my friend? Is a national championship trophy in the trophy case. 
Damn right. And less guys getting arrested, less guys getting in trouble, less felony baby touching, felony motor scooters, felony brownie eating, all of the things. You know, a little more discipline, a little more business, a little more attention to detail, and having our mind on our business, you're right. Boy, results and champion hardware cures a lot of that uh, hurt yes, feelings. It, yes, it does. And, I mean, you know, it, and take a look at Alabama, for instance. Nick Saban, who just is probably – Just pick that team out of the hat, right? Who, just... Well, well and, and, and let's throw in the Gators back when Spurrier was there. Probably two of the most despicable human beings in the world. Yes. But they are loved by their fan base. And why are they loved by their fan base? Because the some bitches win ball games and bring the hardware home. Absolutely. And, you know um... – I mean, it's just, anyway, it, it, you see what it is. But So the, the word of the day on the doghouse is business. I mean, I <laughs> it's mean, all Nick business Saban, and Nick Athens. Saban lies like Hillary Clinton does. Yeah, no doubt. Hey, it'll take the Mari Smith-Chris Black incident. Hey, exactly. talking about lying, you know, come on, man. You know, look, we're not going to get Mari Smith, I don't think. It's unfortunate because I would, it would be awesome to bring a kid in. If he could get in and get inserted and get gelled, to have an on-field coach that knows Mel Tucker and Kirby Smart and knows what they want and can teach on the field, man, that would have been magic. That would have yeah. really jumped our – that would have been a quantum leap for our on-field product. And I know why Nick Saban doesn't want Maurice Smith to come. But i got to tell you, old dog, I'm kind of happy that we're in a place where Nick Saban might be afraid of us getting that one player. One player makes Georgia something that Nick Saban's worried about. (laughs) You know, he wasn't worried a damn bit about Missouri. Yeah, you got to like that. Missouri could get as many players. I mean, he didn't care at all about Missouri. But he's thinking, man, if they get this guy, we might have a problem. Something, Something might happen, exactly. So, old dog, let's talk a little bit about fall camp and what we've seen first Let's talk about what happened before fall camp, because the number one story that anybody wants to talk about is Nick Chubb. And what Nick Chubb has done over the summer, done since the spring, the work he has put in, how does that make you feel about Nick Chubb? Oh, well, you got to love him even more. And again, you talk about a kid with work ethic, and I mean, and that's something, I hope he goes on and has a great pro career, just like Todd Gurley is, and, and I hope Keith Henderson can can do something with the Redskins because that poor kid just got you know tore up uh, knee wise and everything else. But Chubb, what he has done is absolutely amazing, and did it by himself alone. You know, it, it's great to run into a stadium with ninety eight thousand people cheering for you and all that. But you think of all the work that he put in before that to get to the point where he is right now where he's two months ahead of of where he should be. I mean, from everything I can see and hear, you know, he's gonna be starting. He's gonna he's gonna take the first handoff against North Carolina in the Chick fil A opening day, grab your grab your biscuit ball. Absolutely, no doubt about it. He is taking contact in practice. Um on fan day this past weekend, you know, they weren't tackling to the ground, but um he is taking you know, full hard contact in, and, in practice. And he's making he's making the cuts, 
He doesn't look tentative at all. And, you know, he, he looks like the Nick Chubb of old. I know, and that, I tell you what, squatting 600 pounds now already, That'll it's, put some it's pressure amazing. On your Dude, it is amazing. You know, the senator, Senator Blutarski, a fan of the show, talking about how he may, you know, he's not yet, we're not ready yet to crown him the greatest running back in Georgia history or anything, but he might very well have the greatest work ethic of any running back in history of Georgia. I mean, so far. You know, I mean, he's still got a ways to go. Herschel Herschel still does a lot of push-ups and a lot of (laughs) sit-ups every day. He sure does. He sure does. There's no doubt about it. But, man, I tell you what, it's exciting to see what Nick Chubb has done, to see the kind of focus he has and the determination to be to improve his on-field product, you know. And what and what a great example that he's setting for the rest of the guys on that team, especially these young guys coming in. Absolutely, man. That is a freaking legacy right there. I totally agree. It's it's really really amazing. I'm super proud of the kid. Um actually saw him, you know, just walking around on campus the other day. He's just exceedingly normal, you know, a little hoodie and a little backpack, and he's just walking around. There you go. He's, he's a really, really cool kid, man. He's super humble. He's so, so humble. He gets stopped, I'm telling you, between the bus stop at the Arches and, say, the bridge at Sanford Stadium, if he walks it, that kid gets stopped for a photo with students and and general public every eight feet, right? Yeah. That would be a drag, you know, from just about anybody. And I'm telling you, he stops, he smiles, he gives the picture, and then he keeps walking, you know? Exactly. Dude, the kid is so humble. He's so amazing. Man, I, I remember when it was like that for me, and I'm telling you, it is a pain in the ass. I know, I know, right? I mean, you was yeah. mainly just girls, though, just co-eds, <laughs> just wanting to get their picture made with the old dog, right? Because even exactly. in college, you were still the old dog. You were still kind of a curmudgeon. I was always, I was always ahead of my time, no doubt about it. No doubt about that. Hey, what about right, yeah, um, really behind my time? What about other athletes making plays out there? We saw some stuff on Fan Day, and you've seen other stuff. How about the the Holyfield kid running the ball, man? Looks good. He he does look awesome. (laughs) You know, and really, we are turning into tailback and tight end you. No doubt. Isaac Nauta looking awesome. Really going to, I think he's going to contribute early. I mean, we're talking, we're talking the possibility of having sets with three tight ends i know right all of them which are good too man yeah really good i mean blazevich not we have tight ends i mean we've got running backs warner would be warner would be the best tight end almost any other team i know right he could start just about anywhere in any other division except the sec you know i mean but but they're no worse than charles that's for sure no yeah right how about listen how about miko hardman Blocking two field goals, just coming off the edge, man. Coming off the edge, just sheer speed. Just running them down, brother. Yeah. I mean, that kid's an athlete. I'm a little disappointed that they got him a defensive back. It smells a little bit like, what's the word, Um, Ray Goff? It smells a little like Ray Goff to me, you know, but um, I don't know. Robert Edwards, but you know. 
Who knows? I know. How about Ray Goff, by the way? Quote of the year out of Ray Goff the other day. They asked him if he had any advice for Kirby Smart, and he said, don't listen to me. They fired me. Find somebody that knows what they're doing and talk to them. I'm like, well, I love you, Ray Goff. Keep singing that song, my friend. The be- but but the, the best advice Ray Goff could have given him is get my agent, because that son of a bitch is still getting paid for not coaching. <laughs> no shit. $175,000 a year for life, bitches. You wish you were that bad at your job, right? Oh, you wish man. you had Every that agent. Every day I pray I'm that bad at my oh, job. Oh, my gosh, man. So um, everything's going good. No major injuries or anything like that. Nobody's getting upset in camp so far. You know, the quarterback thing. Uh, Cheney talking about quarterbacks the other day. And, uh, you know, I like the way that they're all – back to the all-business thing. They asked Cheney if he thought Ramsey was suffering from having three offense coordinators in three years. And he said, I've been at three schools in three years. He said, I think it's a good thing, right? You show up, you do your best, what's the big deal, you know? Exactly. I like that kind of pragmatic attitude. You know, he's not soft-pedaling it. He's not giving Ramsey a way out. He says, hey, he's got to freaking play, right? Exactly. And by all accounts, the quarterback competition is still pretty hot. Cheney says it is alive. It is a very vibrant, alive competition. I like the words that Cheney uses when he uh, covers the quarterback competition. What are your thoughts on where we're at right now, old dog? Well, I mean, it. we, we need to start. I don't care what goes on. We need to start Jacob Eason. I mean, Lambert is not the kind of quarterback that is going to take anybody to the promised land. And we need to get real, and we need to get realistic about it. This guy was a second stringer in the ACC. We don't need a quarterback who could not be the first-team quarterback at the University of Virginia as the first-team quarterback for us. So you don't, uh, put, you don't put any faith. I put, I put no faith at all in Lambert. Okay. He's, he is he's probably a, a decent backup. He's probably a good mop up guy, but he he's not I mean, he lost his job at the University of Virginia. <laughs> I mean, what are you saying, old dog? Exactly. I'm just not That's, sure. You know, I I don't need to say any more. I hear you. I know, I'm just teasing frankly, you. And quite frankly, if Eason is not the starter, I'd rather I'd rather see Ramsey in there. Yeah. It's no doubt that Eason has more upside potential, you know, but, um, you know, I, I don't know. We're back, back to where we were, really, last year. I mean, minus Eason, but last year, this time last year, we were like, hey, we're going to ride with this coaching staff, you know, and we're going to, we're going to, I will tell you, they do seem to be a little more sober about the choices. I do have a little more trust in Jim Chaney's opinion than I did of, well, I guess maybe hindsight's color in this, but looking back, maybe Schottenheimer wasn't the best evaluator. Shoddy, yeah. Shoddy might not be the best evaluator of college quarterback talent, right? I think Chaney is uniquely qualified to pick who he thinks the best guy is for his system. And uh, we're just going to have to see who he picks, you know? Absolutely. But, but I really want to talk about my hero, Sam Pittman. <laughs> I know, right? He is and making all gonna, the right moves. It's going to be real interesting because, unlike in the pros, the college coaches have really two distinct, different jobs. 
One is to go out and recruit, and the other is to coach. Yes. And Sam Pittman has been dealt a hand that he, if he could choose the kind of people he or the the type athlete he wanted to coach, none of the people on our offensive line would be there. Right. I know. I mean. Because he is he is out recruiting the exact opposite of what we have, and as a recruiter, man, he is great. I have I have that four hour hard on that you have to call the doctor about <laughs> when I hear about the kind of lineman that this guy is bringing in. But we are really going to see what kind of coach he is because he is coaching the kind of player that, for quite frankly, he doesn't want. But it bears notice that he has made an impact on the players we do have. Have you oh, seen yeah. those damn weight numbers going up? He's oh, got that, guys working. Absolutely. Hell, start, starting with, I mean, he's got those damn numbers going up, buddy. On oh, both, yeah. Really on both sides of the line, which gets us back to Scott Sinclair, and the strength and conditioning program, right? And you know what, what I, you know, and those two, you know, what was it, four or five years ago, those two assholes that had a podcast called right. the weight, you know, the strength and conditioning program in question. You know, man, they just really didn't know what the hell they were talking about. I mean, hell, they? come on, man, exactly. I mean, I, golly, you, I, you remember back in the day when we had just a laughable, we had a terrible strength and conditioning program, and it did get better, right? We called for it to get better, and I think it did get better, but I think it's continuing to evolve, and bringing in Sam Pittman, that is the cherry on top, man. You see, and Sam Pittman, not Absolutely. only is he recruiting like a beast, He's improving the players we already have, and he's hosting them at his home. He's doing meals. He's in. He's man. I just love everything that he Sam just, Pittman's he doing. He just seems like a great guy, and and this is going to prove, you know, was old dog right or was Coach Rick right? Was Neil because, Callaway right? Because, <laughs> exactly, because we've got. I mean, Sam Pittman is bringing in what we have been calling for for years. And I think we have finally got a coaching staff that realizes that the game of football is won and lost in the trenches. No doubt. No doubt. And we did not have that beforehand. We also have these coordinators talking after fan day the other day. And in a page torn right out of the Tuscaloosa playbook, everybody's on record as saying that is the last time you're going to hear from them until bowl season. Exactly. Duct tape over their mouths. That's wow. it, baby. That's crazy, man. It's just crazy. But um, I want to talk about one more thing. I want to wrap up this show with uh, with an idea. I was talking to my middle son the other day, and we were watching. This was this is a few weeks ago. We were watching ESPN, and they were talking about um, teams in Vegas and all that kind of stuff. And they said that Georgia, I, I can't remember exactly, but, but if, I think they said we are favored in every game we're playing this year except for one, the Tennessee game. <clears throat> and my kid, was, we were talking about that, and he said, why is that? You know, why? Why are we favored? 
And I just sat there and I kept listening to him. And the more he talked about it, the more mad he got about it. You know, he was like, "Why are we favored in every game?" He was like, "What have we done?" To earn that, what have we done? What have we done that makes people think that we are should be favored against Florida this year? Florida seven and one in the East last year, beat our asses, beat our brains out with a a damn kid who's not even in the school anymore, a kid who couldn't throw. Well, a, and of course, you can, the same can be said for us. Oh, I know, right? No <laughs> doubt, but. You know, he's like, what? why are we favored? And then he took it a step further, and he said, you know, I wish we weren't favored. He says, one, not only do we deserve, not only do we not deserve to be favored, but he said, and this is where the rubber meets the road, it just creates the wrong kind of atmosphere, right? We shouldn't think we're favored. We shouldn't think that we have done anything, right? We, sh- we don't deserve the mindset of a team that is favored in 11 out of 12 games. And I thought that was a fantastic point. It, it, it was a good one. And I think, though, if Reagan looked a little bit harder and further into things, here I think is a couple things that he needs to think about. First off, look at our schedule. The East is not that good, and the teams that we're playing outside of the SEC, other than North Carolina, who has a good offense but not much defense, are not that good either. I mean, so, yeah, we should be favored against Kentucky. We should be favored against Vanderbilt, and and I know with Reagan, he all he knows really with Georgia football is Coach Rick. You're and right. Happened, and I'm going to tell you, and and he is fearful, and and I understand where he's coming from because he knows the letdown that we used to have when we thought we were favored and went into a game, and then we just you know shit the bet. Yes. Well, I'm going to tell you, I don't see that happening with the coaching staff we have now. Or at least it's going to go, it's going to start happening with less frequency is what we hope. Right. We may be, I think we're going to be beat by teams that have more talent than we have, that have bigger and better players at certain positions than we have, but I don't think we are ever not going to be mentally ready for, or mentally not ready for a game. And the perfect example was the Florida game of last year. Right. There right. was absolutely no reason at all we should have lost that game except our players and our coaches were not ready for that game. Yeah. Or, or look at the pooch kick Georgia Tech game. You know, yeah. games like that, that is really the kind of thing that has to come to an end. That is the measure of Kirby Smart's success. We've talked about it before, old dog. Hell, me and you, any damn body could coach Georgia to seven, eight wins, right? I mean, you talk to Gamecock fans and they're like, Ten hell. Wins. Yeah. You talk to Gamecock fans and they're like, hell, don't, don't say that, right? I mean, like, don't, don't think that because, you know. Well, um, I mean, that, that's, you know, and I was, I was about ready to say that's the team that lost to the Citadel. Hell, we're a team last year that almost lost to Georgia Southern. 
Yeah, absolutely. So we need to start winning the games we're supposed to win, right? If we win the games we're supposed to win, we're going to be okay. That, and that's the bottom going, line. And not, not going to overtime. Yeah. With, but, but tell Reagan to take to heart, we're not going to beat ourselves anymore. And that was one of the things under our previous coaching that we had is we we beat ourselves one or two games every year yeah. by going into that game not prepared to do it. And we had a lot of games that we barely won that should have been cakewalks. Yeah. Oh, man, yeah. Tell me about it. So, guys, we are excited. I am super excited about this season. I'm excited to get toe on leather in the Georgia Dome against North Carolina, 27 days from now. Old dog, we need to start thinking about what our drink's going to be. Honestly, though, what is going to be the Dogcast Cocktail of the Year? I'm soliciting ideas. Guys, we'll give a prize. We'll pick whatever the best cocktail idea is. And, you know, I mean, the same guys won like twice in a row, two or three yeah. years in a row now. And I'm still digging on the Red Rock ginger ale and Black Eagle bourbon. The red and black. I still, I, I still love dog piss. I, I know. I was about to say, I can do just about all I need to do with dog piss, which is Tito's and lemonade, and a red and black, which is Black Eagle bourbon and Red Rock ginger ale. I'm telling you, those two drinks together, that covers the gamut for me, right? I'm feeling yeah. pretty good there. Uh, bourbon and ginger and a little lemonade for dog piss. But I'm always on the lookout for a new concept, right, a new Absolutely. idea. Come up with one. Let's hear it. And um, in other little housekeeping news, old dog, this is episode number 410. Man, I'm very who would, I know. Ever, who would have ever thought it? I know. It is the hobby gone wild, right? Um, we are not. I believe because of my travel schedule, <clears throat> let's, <clears throat> let's, uh, let's, let's get it real here for a second, old dog. I want to be honest with the listeners. Guys, we appreciate you guys listening. The listeners, you guys are what makes this show go. We have not really ever done any kind of advertising. You guys know that we have a relationship with V-Sporto and Dog Sports Radio, and that has been a cool thing. It's been a good thing for us. But by and large, we do this show just for the fans and the feedback. And I want you guys to know, we are, hell, is this our 12th season, old dog, our 13th I, I, season? I think it is. Hell, I don't even know. We've been it, doing it, this shit for a long time. Yeah. A long time. We've been doing this since Johnny Sanders was in elementary school, right? So <laughs> I would tell you guys, um, we're not going to do a pool this year. We're not going to do a pick em, mainly because I just don't even have the time to administrate it. And But we are going to do cups. We're going to sell cups. And we do have some Michael Davenport art. And we'll probably be doing a T-shirt later in the season. Um but I want you guys to know, up until about as little as a week ago, I had really thought that I was just not going to be able to do the show at all this year. I really thought, honestly, and I was tweeting with some of you guys on Twitter this week, and if you'll notice, I was a little guarded in my language because I really thought we were going to get on the air tonight and I was going to tell you guys that number 410 was the last show ever. Be 
But I've decided to ch- I've changed my mind. I mean, I just I can't. I'm like this old quarterback or something. Every time it comes around football season, I'm like you're, I can't you're quit. Like Brett, you're like Brett Favre, man. You just can't retire. I can't retire, dude. I just can't but you know retire. What it, you know, but Derek, what it is, it's the love of Georgia football and the people that love it. I know, man. I care, guys. We care. I know you know we care. We take this shit seriously. 365 days a year. And I care about the product of the dog cast, right? And I know you guys love it and you guys want us to do shows. We have more listeners to the dog cast. I don't know if you guys, we have more listeners. I'm not 100% sure about this, but I think we have more listeners than pretty much maybe if you took the top five other Georgia football podcasts and combined all of their listenership, I think we have more unique listeners than those shows combined. And the amount of email and tweets and crap I get when we don't do a show, it I don't know how to explain it. I, I don't want to say it hurts my feelings, old dog. It doesn't hurt my feelings, but I feel bad when I feel like I'm letting you guys down, right? And so there are days when I'm like, shit, I would rather just end the show than not do it or do it on infrequently or it be crappy, you know? I want to retire well, before always, the show goes to hell. Crappy. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> hell, what am I thinking? When it gets to be exceedingly crappy, too crappy, excessively crappy. So here's what I want you guys to know. My work schedule over the fall is going to be insane. It's so insane. You won't even believe the things I do at my job with the travel and stuff. But I am committed, and we are going to try hard to do a full season of Dogcast. There may be some weeks where we only have to do, where we can only do one show. And we do like the combo show, where we do a little post game and then we're immediately into the pregame. Old Dog says that nobody really cares about stats and stuff. All you guys want to hear is what we thought about the game, right? And I get that. So I just want you guys to know we are doing our best. I don't want you to unsubscribe. I still want you to tell your friends. I still want you to listen. I still want the feedback. Old Dog and I. And most importantly, he still wants you to buy those cups. I do want you to buy cups. (laughs) Holy shit. It would be awesome. I tell you what, if you don't even want cups, just donate some money. That would be awesome. I, I hate to be like just a shameless whore. And it, it's such a pitiful amount of money, like, compared – I mean, I know you guys – I'm hell, I got a, uni- a degree from the University of Georgia, right? Me and Old Dog both do. I make damn good money in my job, right? And I don't need the money. It's not about the money. But I, I got to tell you, if, if I'm getting $0 for a show – or if, let's say I get $50 per episode or whatever, right? Or hell, $20 per episode or whatever. I don't know how to tell you, but it somehow it just changes the math in your head. Do, do you agree, old dog? <laughs> I mean, hell, if I'm going to get... I, no, not for me, because you keep all the money. Yeah, that's true. Old dog doesn't get shit. I keep all the money. I know you guys are like, holy shit, I want to send some money to old dog. We need to set up an old dog support fund. But anyway, um, here's the thing, guys. We're going to do as best. We're going to do the very best show we can. And we're going to bring as many shows as possible. And we are still doing everything we do. We just might not be able to do the show with the frequency, right? And I know I've been saying the same shit for years now. But um, I just want but to most, set y'all's but expectations. Most importantly, what we're going to do and it's never going to change we are always going to be a show that is done 
by two Georgia fans, and we are doing it for Georgia fans. We're always going to have emotion. We're, we live and die with every win or every loss, and we're not going to be like these other podcasts or anything else that just throws out a bunch of crap and tries to analyze stuff. I mean, y'all are smart enough. You can analyze it. We're emotion. We're fans. That's what we're all about, and that's what's made. That's why I think most of you listen to us, because we we have the venue to express what you all feel, and I think that's what kept us going for these 12 or 13 or however many years it is. Yeah, I agree. I mean, hell, anybody, I mean, listen, Mark Weiser, you know, God love him, right? But, I mean, he's corporate, he's sanitized. Come on, man. The Bulldog Bites podcast, dude, come on. Chuck Dowdle, Lauren Smith, they all do the same old shit all the Lauren time, Smith right? Lauren Smith is a dick. <laughs> so, hey, on that sobering note, dog fans, we appreciate you listening. This has been the Dogcast number 410. This is the original, the best, the biggest, the badass Dogcast, and we appreciate you guys listening. We'll be back with some more shows. We're going to do several more shows before the first game, and um, I'm just excited to see what's going to happen with this season, just like you guys are. We're watching practice. We're watching the players. There's not a whole lot out there, right? Nobody's hurt. They're running plays. What else do you want to know, right? Exactly. And I tell you, it's really going to be a testament this year to our coaching staff to see how good a coach as they are because they have got players that they didn't bring in. They're not coaching their guys. The people that they've got on the field are somebody else's recruits and they're doing everything they can. And I'm telling you, as I always do, and one of our good-time listeners and best man at my wedding, Terry Quinn, will tell you, we're going undefeated this year, and we're winning the national championship. Every damn year, brother. Absolutely. Every damn year. Best season ever. Dog fans, thank you so much for listening. Hey, and we should have Isaiah Crowell's dad. We're going to have Isaiah's dad on the show soon. A lot of people want and to know. And Isaiah got himself into some trouble. I know, year. I know. People he, want to know. ISIS or something? <laughs> Holy shit. You know, is, well, that's Isaiah Crowell. Dude, we need, we're going to have Isaiah's dad before, <laughs> hopefully before the season. We, inquiring minds want to know what Isaiah's dad thought of Isaiah's uh, tweet of the, you know, slicing of the throat of a Dallas police officer. Boy, that was a real warm fuzzy out of Crowell, huh? Um, guys, thanks for listening. It's the Dogcast. We'll be back soon. Go dogs. Michael Johnson turned around, asked the bench something. And now Green makes him line up on the right in the slot. We have three receivers. Tennessee playing what amounts to a 4-4 four, four fake. And there's a touchdown! My God, a touchdown! We threw it to we threw it to Haynes. We just stepped up a five second flip. My God, Almighty! Did you see what he did? David Green just straightened up, and we snuck the fullback over. Haynes is keeping the ball. Haynes has come running all the way across to the bench. We just dumped it over. It's 26 to 24. We just stepped on their face with a hobnailed boot and broke their nose. We just crushed their face. We dumped it over. David Green brought us flying down the field.